G'day, humans. Chris Funder here with Alex Freddie Williams for another edition of the Weekly Wrestling Wrap. Alex, how you going, mate? I am laughing, mate. It is a weird day of four seasons again in Victoria. The temperatures are all over the shop, and thus is the story of the wrestling world this week as well. Yeah, there's a lot to cover, so let's get straight into it. AEW Dark this week. Did you happen to watch? Nah, mate. Yeah, I'm starting to give up on Dark. It's another near two-hour edition on Tuesday. 11 matches. The only notable match on here was Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn defeating the initiative, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon with Lever Bates in their corner, giving the initiative a record of 0-12. and 12. And in the post-match, Peter Avalon attacked Brandon Cutler in the ring with the 20-sided dice and Lever Bates seemed torn by this. Yeah, that sounds like something I would actually enjoy checking out yeah it's about time one of these two dudes get their first win in AEW. yeah we'll we'll see where that goes in the in the coming weeks on to impact are you ready to cross the line i'm always ready so match number one sammy callahan defeats rob van dam with katie forbes in his corner match number two a two-on-one match rhino defeats reno scum adam forstone and lister the legend after he ran in and caused interference Match number three, the Rascals, Des and Wentz defeated Ace Austin and Mad Men Fulton. In the Wrestle House match of the week, special referee Johnny Bravo and Ty Valkyrie defeated Rosemary. In the post-match, Johnny Bravo proposed to Rosemary and everyone seemed ready to leave, putting their hands together and all chanting Wrestle House before disappearing in the air. Later on in the night, there would be a black tie affair with Diana Perrazzo celebrating her... 30-minute Ironman match championship retain against Jordan Grace. Jordan comes out on the ring to congratulate her before Tennille Dashwood returns to Impact. Very timely return. It feels like just last week we might have been talking about where is Tennille on our podcast. But after we had a chat about that, the next day I have a look at and. Facebook has spoiled the results for me and showed me that Tennille's back and I messaged you. I was like, we got our answer. <laughs> like, that was really timely. So, yeah, it's awesome to see Tennille in Impact. Uh, this woman's division, this knockouts division, sorry, is just insane. Yeah, and following that celebration, the WrestleHouse wrestlers reappear in the ring. It causes havoc. With Yana Perazzo fleeing, her title's left in the ring, and smiley Kylie Ray picks it up and poses with the championship before handing it back to Diana to end the segment. You got a couple of singles feuds being set up coming out of the Jordan and Tennille, uh, Kylie and Diana. That's like two really good matches to have on a big card coming up, hopefully, like a Bound for Glory or something. Yeah, Bound for Glory's start of October, I believe, so it should be around then, maybe. Main event of the night for the Impact World Championship, Eddie Edwards, your champion, is defeated by Eric Young, who is the new Impact World Champion. Any other thoughts here on Impact, Alex? This was a really enjoyable episode for my liking. Um, I, I enjoyed the Rascals. I actually enjoyed this week's Wrestle House, and now it's done, so I enjoy it even more now. I like the main event. The Rob Van Dam thing's a little bit weird. Like, it definitely screams midlife crisis. But, yeah, I thought it was a fun episode of Impact. 
from there we go through to Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, NXT's Super Tuesday, which aired on a one-day tape delay in Australia. Did you happen to use nefarious means to catch this one live at all? No, no, I sort of just ended up waiting it out. Fair enough, same here. I sort of decided I'll wait a day and see what happens from there. So opening the show was a trio street fight. Isaiah Swerve Bro Scott, Brizango, uh, defeated Liguero Del Fantasma, that's Walking Wild, Raul Mendoza, and Santos Escobar. Second match, Candice LeRae defeats Casey Catanzaro with Caden Carter in her corner. Third match and main event of the first hour, Timothy Thatcher defeated Bronson Reed. And the entire second hour was, of course, your 60-minute four-way Ironman match for the vacant WWE NXT Championship. Adam Cole versus Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, wow, you always get stuff with the really lengthy, intricate titles, don't you? Um. (laughs) If you want, I can read out the Never title as it's supposed to be. It's like New Evolution something, something, something. All the letters have a different word associated with them, same as IWGP's International Grand Prix of Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No? Um. I didn't know that about the never thing. I'm going to have to look into that, actually. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the match goes. First fall, 25-29, Finn Bellow pins Adam Cole, making Finn on one, everyone else on uh, no falls. Second fall, 33-19, Johnny Gargano pins Finn Bellow. Johnny and Finn are both on one. Third fall, 35-19, Adam Cole pins Johnny Gargano. Everyone is now on one four except Tommaso Ciampa. 4-4, 37-15, Tommaso Ciampa pins Adam Cole. Everyone is on one four. Fifth fall, 59-41, Finn Balor pins Tommaso Ciampa. It's now Finn Balor on two falls, everyone else is on one. And the sixth fall of the match, 59-59, Adam Cole pins Finn Balor, tying Adam Cole and Finn Balor on two falls while Gargano and Ciampa are on one fall each. I find it interesting that uh, Balor and Cole were both pinned twice. Uh, Ciampa and Gagano were only pinned once each. So, like, they still somewhat protected Ciampa and Gargano by not seeing them both get pinned heaps in this match. You know what I mean? Like, and Balor and Cole, like, yeah, they took the most pins, but they got a bit more to do next week anyway, so... Everyone yeah. sort of comes out looking good. Yeah, it's announced that it ends in a time limit draw. Regal comes out and says next week it'll be Cole versus Bella to 1-4 to determine the champion. Your thoughts on this overall match, I guess? Iron Man matches, for me, like, they're pretty tough to get into because it's like a, um, I wouldn't say a footy game, but like a basketball game in particular there's no need to watch the first the first however many minutes of the match you just have to watch the last three minutes basically and you're all caught up to speed i find that the iron man match it's like yeah you know it's going to go for an hour so you might only want to check out the last five minutes that's when everything usually happens anyway and this was no different um what would you say of this match would you say thumbs up Thumbs sideways or thumbs down? I would say thumbs up because, like, these guys work pretty hard, but, like, it's barely a thumbs up for me. Yeah, so 
whilst the work rate in this match was good, it was your pretty stock standard four-way match. Two guys fight, one gets thrown out. There's temporary alliances where it's two against one. Sometimes there's a four men in the ring at once, but it's mostly two guys in the ring at once. In terms of a four-way Ironman match, there was no plunder in this being a DQ match. I didn't see one weapon. Undisputed Era didn't come out at all. It's like there should be no disqualification. Why wouldn't Cole call on his boys to come down, beat the tar out of these guys in the last few minutes and secure a win? I, I would think in an Iron Man situation, you, oh, no, it still wouldn't work, would it? You'd have to just give everyone else a point except for Cole if he got disqualified. But this is a fatal four-way, so I'm assuming those rules take precedence. Like how if it's a tag elimination match, you have to tag, so the tag rule there takes precedence over the elimination aspect. Yeah, that's true too. And under WWE's rules, fatal four-ways are no rope breaks, no count-outs, no disqualification. So this, for me, I felt it dragged, especially when you had so much happen around the halfway mark and then two quick falls at the end. Yeah. I felt it would have been better served to save most of these falls until the last 15 minutes. Maybe have an early one there to sort of get people who were thinking about turning over to stay around. But Yeah, yeah. I, I would honestly, yeah, put a, put a fall within the first five minutes of the match for that exact reason of, like, people that sort of tuned in like like I would if I saw it live. I would tune in for the entrances and sort of tune out for a bit and then come back. But if you see a pinfall in the first five minutes after the entrances, you might be sort of drawn in and stay on a bit. Yeah, and then this ending <laughs> at two falls for two guys and then it's announced it's going to a one-on-one -on -one match next week. I'm like, so you're not going to overtime and you're still have this at, where it's a tie and i'm just like what was the point of this match then why <laughs> like literally the guy that probably did the agenting for this match made his career on an overtime and an iron man match like sean michaels is probably the like he is rumored to be the main event agent for nxt so like why wouldn't he even think of the overtime thing like, that's why I would have had this go, like, at um, quarter two and then say, we're allowing for overtime. If not, we'll have Candice LeRae and Kathy Catanzaro later on tonight or something like that, or Cameron Grimes and, I don't know, Dutch guy, what's his name, was in the Triple Threats, Ridge... Ridge Holland, who's Ridge Ho Scottish. Ridge Holland. Oh, is he Scottish? But, but you think he's Dutch because his name's Holland. I yeah. get it. <laughs> but yeah, like even so you're going to have that, put this on at quarter to top of the first hour. So it finishes at quarter to the top of the second hour. You have 15 minute window there to allow for overtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, yeah, do you remember a Raw in like the mid 2010s where it was like Shawn Michaels versus Cena? It wasn't an Iron Man match. I know that they did do one. But Shawn Michaels and John Cena on one random episode of Raw ended up doing a 60-minute match. And the entire time that they were having this match, they were advertising uh, Edge versus Randy Orton in the main event tonight as sort of, okay. sort of to just throw you off. 
that, oh, well, this match isn't going to go too much longer because there's already a match scheduled for later tonight. But no, the match ends up going for 60 minutes and ends up becoming the main event. So, yeah, I liked your idea of, like, just start it, like, 15 minutes earlier and say, yeah, we're getting Candice and uh, Casey later on. Yeah, something like that or even the, yeah, well, it is what it is. Um, Yeah, I sort of went thumb sideway here. I had a lot more questions coming out of it than I did going into it. (laughs) Yeah, um, my one big positive was the trio street fight. I, I thought that was really fun. And I thought, like, Breezango in particular really surprised me in a street fight. Like, they were really good. Yeah, it shows how good those guys are when they're not playing up their goofy dancer characters, I guess. Yeah, and I don't mind them being goofy, but, like, they need to get serious when that bell rings. Like, I am a massive fan of goofy characters, but the best goofy characters are the ones that know when it's time to get serious. And... These guys are starting to do that a bit, so that's good. You say goofy characters need to be serious when the bell rings. Do you remember Festus? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly my point, Hoggy. <laughs> uh, so from there, we move on to the show that I was watching live Thursday morning. It is AEW Dynamite, the go-home edition for All Out. Were you watching live? I was, actually, yeah. Uh, I should have taken this show as an omen for things to come, but I'll let my opinions come out later. Fair enough. So, uh, first match was the Inner Circle's Proud and Powerful, that's Santana and Ortiz, to the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent. Second match, the Young Bucks, Matt Nick Jackson, along with Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, who had Marco Star in their corner, defeating Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn, along with SEU's Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Winners got a tag match on the pay-per-view itself. Third was Chris Jericho having a warm-up match with Jake Hager in his corner, defeating Joe Janela. Fourth was Thunder Rosa defeating Serena Deeb. And the fifth match of the night, John Moxley defeated Mark Sterling, who had Wardlow in his corner. Um, anything you want to note there about the matches or anything else? Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb was great. Yes, 100% agree there. Both those women need contracts with AEW. I understand if they can't sign Thunder Rosa because of the NWA thing, but I don't see what would be stopping them from signing a Serena Deeb. She was fantastic. Wasn't she in Straight Edge Society? She was the one who had her head shaved? She was, yes. <laughs> and um, she was in one of oh, the May Young classics. That's it too, too, yeah. Yeah, and she was... I'm not too sure if she was part of the big releases this year. She might have been. Or she might have been released last year. But she was recently a, a trainer in NXT for the women. That's right, her along with um, Sarah Del Rey were yeah, like the two big women's trainers at one point. Yeah, Sarah Del Rey, and there's another woman there as well called Sarah Stock. Yeah, I really love this women's match. It's probably, in terms of AEW's women's division, this is possibly one of the 
better matches that stands out in my memory. Yeah, I just really enjoyed that. In terms of everything else on the show, like, I don't know, you might have hated it, but I, I thought Mark Sterling was great playing his character. I'm a little bit biased. He's the producer for the for the Ryder and Hawkins Wrestling Figure podcast that I'm a big fan of. Um, I've had many interactions on Facebook with Mark Sterling. Isn't like, it in Cardona terms- and Myers now? I was trying to generalize it for the listeners, but yes, uh, the major wrestling figure podcast hosted by Brian Myers and Mr. Always Ready, Matt Cardona. But um, Where he's in the back getting ready and MJF knocks on his door going, what's wrong, buddy? He's going, oh, thank God you're here. I don't want to fight. MJF goes, you're going out there to fight or your body's going in a wood chipper. Brian Myers must have been sitting uh, in impact catering or whatever he was doing this week and being really proud of two of his students, uh, MJF and Mark Sterling, both product of the Brian Myers Wrestling School Creator Pro. Yep. Mark Sterling was very good at what he needed to do in this stuff. My only issue was it went five minutes too long. Yeah. The other notable thing I noticed on here was Kenny came down to the ring to talk to Tony and he's wearing a Hana Kimura memorial tee. Yeah, he even like sort of turned to the camera and sort of pointed up as a little salute to Hana. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Sorry to cut you off, but like this episode was not a good go home show. Yeah, I'm going to. Gonna have to agree there. Friday, still no new episodes of NXT UK. They return September 18th. Oh my god. They get to start doing like best of. They need to be doing like ROH style. Like, here's the best of Dave Mastiff. No, best Uh, of Alex Wright. (laughs) Oh, that would actually draw more than NXT UK, surely. That would draw all the dimes. Yeah. Well, I would watch it at least. Okay, uh, Saturday morning, before SmackDown, there was a special one-hour edition of Dark. Did you watch this? Hell no. <laughs> You're not going to, like, randomly... Th- like, did you know about this before it happened? Like, I never Only... saw anything about this until that morning I logged on to Twitter. And I'd gotten up early that morning because I did an early morning, like, walk with the dogs. And I was like, oh, I'll get a walk in with the dogs before SmackDown's on. And, oh, my God, I get back from my walk and I see the dark's being posted. I'm like, not a chance, guys. You can't just, like, throw that up on me with no notice. Like, it was on during one of the, um, you know, where they played the Dynamite song during the Fight TV ad breaks? Oh, yeah, the bits I... I usually make sure with Dynamite, I watch Dynamite about 45 minutes delayed. So, so you I can, can fast forward those? Yeah. Yeah, smart man. Yeah, so I was in one of those uh, segments that like start playing the AEW song and the little graphic, then go to a freeze frame of what's coming on this weekend. Nothing really of note here at all. Of course not. <laughs> like, like uh, uh, hang on, I- I'll tell you. I'll tell the humans out there what happened. The wrestler you've heard of beat the wrestler you haven't heard of. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> uh, the only thing of note, there was a spe- 
backstage segment, Peter Avalon wants a match against Brendan Cutler to prove he's not the worst wrestler in AEW, or at least not the worst wrestler signed to AEW. Because <laughs> there is people with far worse records than him who aren't signed. Oh, really? Well, you think of all those enhancement talent who are on here who, like, just do dark, who never win. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, surely they haven't had more losses than, like, a Brandon Cutler or Peter Avalon who, for, like, the first three months of AEW at least, were used as the locals instead. Yeah. These guys were on both Dynamite and Dark at one point, just losing every week. Um. So later on in the night, Brandon accepts it. Uh, Brandon Cutler accepts Pete Avalon's challenge, and Lever, who was standing beside both men during their individual interviews, still seems torn about this. Mm. We go on to SmackDown later that morning. Did you watch SmackDown? Uh, I've watched some of it, yeah. Yeah, so I sort of missed um, the first like 30 minutes of it due to my walk, ended up going a bit longer than normally would. So, yeah. Oh, you missed shakes and weights. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I went back on and saw like clips on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, Tucky, <laughs> Tucky, Tucky. <laughs> okay, where? What are we? We September the ninth. Clash of Champions. Does Otis attempt his first cash in? Oh man, like he hasn't even tried yet. No, no. Um. What's the chances, like, Otis just forgets he has it? I <laughs> know, oh, you bring this up every week because we go, he's not going to win. He's either going to challenge someone and lose it, be screwed out of it by someone, or let the time elapse on it. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, the best thing he can do is just be like, Mandy, this is yours. And then they convert it to a women's title thing. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Do you think he tries to make it a tag title cash-in for him and Tucky? He'd be an idiot if he did. <laughs> because it wasn't until Raw today that I remembered who the SmackDown tag champs were. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. So match number one, Heavy Machinery, Otis and Tucker defeat John Morrison and The Miz. Match number two, the Women's Tag Team Championship, Bailey and Sasha Banks' rematch versus the champions... Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, and the champions easily account for Bailey and Sasha Banks. I thought this match was amazing before we get into it. I thought it was really good. Um, and then the main event of the night, a four-way match for the number one contendership to the WWE Universal Championship. Jey Uso defeats King Corbin, Matt Riddle, and Sheamus. What a weird thing, right? Like, it's awesome. I love it. Like, this is the sort of thing I love. Like... We've talked about it before, like even with our fantasy draft, there's the Vince McMahon rule with tag teams. If one member gets injured, they're both injured. This Jey Uso thing was just out of nowhere and still like really logical, so I loved it. Yeah, it all occurred because Sheamus took out Big E backstage, taking him out of the poor way at the start of the show. Did you happen to catch Cole's line before the tag team women's match? Uh, no, I didn't. He said, and I quote, tonight we may witness the greatest tag team match on this program, unquote. Yeah, it doesn't help that I watched X-Pac and Kane versus the Dudleys not that long ago. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. man. 
X fucking Kane was so good. Uh, I was. Have you ever? Sorry, we're going on a tangent here, but um, have you ever heard about how there originally Kane was going to be like a proper member of DX? That was the original plan. Yeah, I've probably read this before, but go on for our listeners. Yeah, like. X-Pac ends up turning on Kane, spoiler alert, from a 25-year-old feud or however long it's been. Um, But originally the plan was for Kane to just flat out be the henchman, the muscle for DX and just be the babyface with X-Pac to the point where they even had gear designed. Oh, is this his green? Green and black Kane. I've seen that gear. It's so weird. Like, how weird would that have been? Like, oh, man. I just... Yeah, he'd come out looking like his previous gimmick of the Christmas monster. We'd get green pyro. Oh, green man. Green lighting. Oh, he'd be the big green machine. Oh, man. Um. So, yeah, during the, the women's tag match, in the post-match, Sasha seems to have hurt her knee. Bailey begins to help her over the ring apron to get out of the ring. But it's a swerve, bro. Bailey attacks <laughs> Sasha, and it sort of sets up that Bailey is angry at Sasha for costing them the tag titles. Yeah, I loved it. I love the turn. Uh, I've been pretty critical about Bailey and Sasha together. Hopefully, them being apart will be a bit better than what I thought of their promos together. Um, like I said, I actually thought the women's tag match was pretty good. I wouldn't say it was the greatest tag team match on SmackDown ever, but I thought it was a really good match, especially for a match that has Nia Jax in it, and I'm admittedly not a, not much of a fan of Nia Jax. So. No, we're not very patriotic when it comes to her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Proud Aussie Nia Jax. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have to go throw up a little bit. Yeah, we've gone over reasons why that. <laughs> yeah. Sami Zayn comes out and cuts a promo saying how he should be called Intercontinental Champions, confronted by Jeff Hardy, sort of probably setting up a title-for-title title, uh, true champion match there. Did you happen to catch the Alexa Nikki backstage segment? I did, I did. Uh, we had a little sneaky cameo back there. As you see over... Alexa's uh, shoulder, there's Rambling Rabbit in the background. Uh, Bray Wyatt teased that next week there's going to be a new character in the Funhouse, um, and they sort of heavily sort of hint at it that it's going to be Alexa, I guess. If I was booking at it because it's so heavily teased it was Alexa, it's definitely not going to be Alexa, right? One of the biggest highlights of the show for me was Heal Roman Reigns. Like the promo at the start with Paul Heyman, what did you think? It's certainly a new way for this character. I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah, I love the idea that it wasn't Paul Heyman that brought Roman Reigns to the dark side. It was a frustrated Roman Reigns that brought Paul Heyman in with him. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. They pretty much allude to like, yeah, Roman Reigns just wanted to stay home and protect his family. And then all of a sudden, Roman Reigns is white from the history books in the WWE for a little bit. And then, you know, Paul Heyman gets fired. So these two are frustrated at the company and they come together. And, man, Roman Reigns was just playing full-on, like, Don Corleone-like sort of mafia boss this whole episode of Raw. 
<laughs> the way you say that makes it sound like when Paul rings up Austin when he gets fired via fax from Bischoff. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just full circle for Paulie. What are you doing? Nothing much. Drink a beers. beers. You wanna come on my TV? Any grievances? <laughs> well goddamn kid. <laughs> yeah, kid, why not? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have all the old hodges. Yeah. Monday Nyquil, as he <laughs> called it. With Bongo McMichael. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of ECW, <laughs> did you have time for the for the latest ECW style promotion, Two Hundred Five Live? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think this week we might get your interest because there was a big debut. Mansoor took on Kobe Carino. Uh, he's done a couple of jobs on 205 Live before I've seen on Twitter. But yeah, uh, Steve Carino's kid uh, looking pretty much like a shrunken Steve Carino. Yeah. He he did a little bit in Ring of Honor as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's no coincidence that everywhere Steve Carino goes, he so, his son sort of gets a bit of a gig here and there. Steve Carino is a he's doing something backstage with WWE, and why not get your son a job? Who can blame him for that? Well, Ray's done that. Yeah, exactly. Nothing really else of uh, note there. Did you watch New Japan Strong at all? Not on the, not this week. Not on this sort of like jam packed wrestling week. Yeah, I've. I sort of skipped that. The sort of standout matches there were Hikaleolu defeats Brody King and Jay White defeated Flip Gordon. I wouldn't mind like going back and checking out what Hikaleo's like these days. You know, he's the younger G.O.D. brother, but yeah, he has the size, the height that like one day if he just sort of just beefs up a bit more, he's going to be just... He would pass the airport test that I've talked about on this pod before, like... Yeah, he'll turn heads, and he's got a bit of star power just with his look. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Did you happen to catch the New Japan Roadshow on Saturday? This is all still Saturday, by the way. Oh, man. yeah, Like, there's more shows than there are hours in the day for Saturday. Like, honestly, no, I didn't watch this. Um, if it happened on Saturday and it wasn't SmackDown, I wasn't going to watch it. Um, only notable thing is they're doing a four-way team tournament for the vacated junior heavyweight championships. So Taguchi and Master Wado defeated Suzuki Gun, Desperado, and Kanemaru. In the second match, Bushi and Hiromu of Los Ingobernables de Japón defeated Bullet Club, Jado, and Taiji Ishimori. Anything really to add there, Alex? That tournament looks so bad. Like, yeah, there's a lot. There's actually some really talented dudes in it, but like, who cares about most of these people? Yeah. Stop doing tournaments. (laughs) Seriously, guys. You can do without the junior tag titles for a bit. Like, we don't need them. Ship them over to the US and use them on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Give them them something. Uh, TJP and ACH for a while in that New Japan Strong. 
Oh man, just give the US something to fight for. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there soon enough. Yeah. Sunday. Sunday, bloody Sunday, September the 6th. Oh my God, so much AEW. The red carpet, all out part one. Did you watch? No. I, I love AEW, by the way. I'm a big mark for them. I, I should probably say that before we get to the all out thing because. I want people to understand that what I have to say about the pay-per-view is from the perspective of someone that actually really, really is a ride-or-die for AEW sort of fan. I didn't see the red carpet. I saw a few photos of it. I saw, like, the Dark Order showing up and, like, everyone's uh, nice suits, except John Silver's just in his ring gear. (laughs) Yeah. I loved that so much. John Silver is like, if you humans haven't watched BTE, like he is the star of the show on BTE. Countdown to All Out, did you watch that? No, but I'm still probably going to go back and watch that one just because those sort of countdown shows are really good. It's just the um, pretty much extended video packages, uh, the hot videos from the pay-per-view. What about... AEW Red Carpet All Out Part 2. Why do they need to have the red carpet in two parts? Why are they staggering these people going to work? Shouldn't they all just be getting to work at the same time? Possibly. Yeah, come on, guys. Bit of punctuality. By the time we get to the pay-per-view, this past week we've had two hours of dark, two hours of dynamite, another hour of dark, a half-hour red carpet special, an hour of countdown. And a second half-hour red carpet special. <laughs> they definitely tried their best to make this feel like a like a WrestleMania week sort of thing. I think that's what they thought they were doing. Yeah, I could have done without everything and possibly just caught clips of Dynamite. Like that Dynamite go home was kind of lackluster in the, um, the end of things. It's like they... It's like they had too many shows that they had to prepare for that they sort of had their attention brought away from the show that they should be spending all their attention on. Um, so the buy-in, did you watch the buy-in section? I did. Ooh. So I did. Match number one, Joe Janela with Sonny Kiss defeats Sam Pentico with Luther in his corner. Match number two, Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn defeats Dark Order members Alex Free Reynolds and John Four Silver. Yeah, um, not only is John Silver a standout on BTE for his antics outside the ring, he's so good in the ring too. I like that he's a goof, once again, he's a goof outside the ring, but when the match is happening, you know, he's a bit more serious, and it's good. Yeah, absolutely. The only criticism I have of this is this buy-in felt very like just another extension of AEW Dark and the Countdown. Like, if you didn't watch Countdown and you didn't watch Dark this past week, this was it here. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we'll get to it, but what they originally had advertised for the buy-in should have stayed on the buy-in. Yeah. So from there, we go to the pay-per-view. Opening match on the pay-per-view portion, match number three of the card is the Tooth and Nail match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD with Reba versus Big Swole. Rip my teeth out and nail my eyes shut, match. <laughs> Do you want to explain the rules to this match? 
I don't even know. Like, I was watching it the whole time and didn't get it, but I guess they just fired in a dentist office. Yeah, that's sort of what I got to. This was terrible. There is no other word for it. The only thing I actually enjoyed was at the very, very start of it when Swell walks into the dentist office and she talks to Reba. But Raber's pretending to be someone else for some reason. And Raber's put on a pretty good Australian accent. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. This sucked. This was yeah. horrible. This, Big's... like, shouldn't even be on dark. <laughs> At one point, Big Swole injects Dr. Britt's leg with, like, anesthesia to make it numb. And then puts, yeah. like a gas mask on her to knock her out to win. Yeah, we're just drugging people now. This was horrible. I wouldn't have even put this on the buy-in. No, no. Yeah, like, especially with what you've got coming up next on the card, wouldn't that have been a wonderful way to just kick off the pay-per-view? So I suppose I should ask you this now because we get it through fight. How much did you pay? Did you pay $20 US? Uh, yeah, I think it was like something like 30 bucks. Yeah. Australian. Yeah. By the time you convert it. So, yeah, about the same as me. Yeah. Which, <laughs> considering the other shows we listened to, uh, like, for example, post wrestling, and the, I think there was a caller on there saying that they paid nearly 60 Canadian for this show. That would suck. And I pretty much have a rule that. In 2020, I'm not paying more than $50 for a pay-per-view. So if something costs more than $50, you bet your butt I'm watching it via the Nefarious Means Network. (laughs) The only thing I've probably spent that on a pay-per-view was the boxing that I talked about the other week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Let's keep going. Young Bucks. Man Nick Jackson versus Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Star in their corner. Really good match. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. This was probably one of the better matches on the card. There's only um, one match on this card that... Actually, yeah, it's a toss-up. It's at least top three. But um, this should, without a doubt, have been the way you opened a pay-per-view. Like, oh, they, they fumbled the ball on this one, that's for sure. They definitely fumbled the ball tonight, as we'll get to later. Uh, result is the Young Bucks defeat Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Then it's on to the 21-man Casino Battle Royal match. Uh, I was really looking forward to who the 21st man would be going into this. Um, yeah. The, the result wasn't bad. Jeez, it was disappointing. Um. <laughs> I, I actually like the result. Yeah, so I, I think I'm a bigger fan of the winner of this match than you are because you can't get past a particular poor tattoo decision this man has made. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. So first in with the clubs, that's Trent, Christopher Daniels, Jake Hager, The Blade and Ray Phoenix. Next were the Diamonds, Frankie Kazarian, Will Hobbs, Trent, Santana and Ortiz. Third was the Hearts, Billy, last name redacted, <laughs> Penta L0M, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Darby Allen. Fourth were the Spades, Sean Spears, Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, Sonny Kiss, and Lance Archer. 
and the 21st man making his AEW debut, Matt Seidel. Oh, boy. I don't know why they keep trying this stupid casino battle royale gimmick. It hasn't worked once. Like, not once. And this one was a little bit better in in terms of the presentation where, like, you don't actually have five people all coming out at once. Like, one person comes out, then the other, then the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It is what it is. Yeah, it's a dumb gimmick. Give up on it. Just give us a 21-man rumble. Like, seriously. Yeah, or do something a bit different with it. No, because every time they try to do something different, it kind of sucks. Um. So last two men are Eddie Kingston and Lance Archer. Eddie has gone under the bottom rope, and the rules are over-the-top rope elimination. Lance Archer goes over the top. Both men are on the apron. And Lance Archer, via Jake, the snake distraction with the snake bag, eliminates Eddie Kingston onto the Butcher and the Blade. He was sort of, like, lingering over the top rope before getting eliminated. Yeah, this... I did not like this match. Um, It is confusing as heck. Your order is just... It, it was slightly improved because they gave everyone their own little clip of entrance theme and their own mm-hmm. name graphics so that's a positive <sighs> yeah when it's announced as over the top elimination and eddie kingston's gone under the bottom rope i like <sighs> i don't know maybe it's me just nitpicking yeah I, I sort of thought it was sort of red acted when eddie kingston sort of climbed up the ropes a bit yeah i suppose yeah but but i could also see your point as well um yeah so let's talk about the big the big thing everyone's talking about from it. Let's Matt. talk about poor old Matt Sidale. Yeah. I don't think it's as bad as what everyone's saying. Well, he comes out, and that's fine. Like, I didn't think it was a bad surprise. It wasn't what I thought we were going to get, and it's probably not what I would have preferred, but it was fine. It was like, oh, yeah, this guy can go, so that's awesome. This guy's really talented. That's awesome. So this is a good pickup for AEW, if this is a pickup. Yeah, but, yeah, I agree there. But then it happens. His very first thing he's going to do, the only thing people pretty much remember him for, the shooting star press. And he slips on the top turnbuckle and pretty much almost breaks his neck, almost. Like, yeah, yeah, he caught himself there. Yeah, he caught himself, but jeez, it was scary. And just like that, we got a shock master on our hands. Like, like you could try to rehab him after that, but geez, he's just forever going to be the guy that remembered as the guy that couldn't hit his own finisher on his own debut. You could build up to it again, where he doesn't do it for a while, and then he teases and finally gets it. Yeah, he, actually, that wouldn't be half bad. But, but yeah, oh man. Just just a snake-bitten show so far. <laughs> and that, it's not going to get especially. any better. <laughs> uh, and it's not going to get any better. Yeah, so the tooth and nail match, Casino Battle Royale, things just going wrong all over the place. Anyway, let's talk about something positive. Oh, no, it's the Broken Rules match. Yeah, I'm not even going to call this a match. It was... It should have been 
Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy to a no contest because at one point they're on a goddamn scissors lift and Sammy spears Matt off the scissors lift. They miss the two tables and Matt slams his head into the concrete. Yeah. And as soon as Aubrey Edwards throws up the X, I don't care what Matt Hardy says. I don't even care what the doctor says. Because a, a doctor's not going to be able to tell someone doesn't have a concussion within 120 seconds, you know? That's what yeah. he had. He had two minutes. Yeah, so as soon as Aubrey Edwards throws up the X, that's it. Game over. Yeah, And I, honestly, it's not even that bad of a spot to end a match. Yeah, and you can call it a no contest. Like, you can book your way out of this retirement stipulation. Yeah, I, I actually sent this clip to one of my brothers and they said, this is some Vince levels of care for your workers. Sorry, I mean private contractors. Yeah. The rest of this match was just complete stupidity and it's a disservice to call it a match. Sammy staggers out to the arena. Matt follows. I climb up scaffolding. Sammy throws, uh, falls for a stage section. Matt wins. Yay. Yeah, oh, man. Honestly, I was, like, I only just remembered when you said it just before that there was a retirement stipulation on this. So that tells you, like, how much attention just got taken away from everything just during the first big spot of this match. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree there. This should have, yeah, just been waved off and cut to a video and then go to the next match. And and then you got like like I watched all the um, post pay per view scrums with like uh, Tony Khan and John Moxley and stuff, and Khan's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. Matt Hardy's fine. Yeah, he's been taken to medical facility, but he's passed all the tests. Blah blah blah. And then you got Rebby Hardy on Twitter just being like, no, Matt's seriously hurt. He's concussed. So like, what's going on? And, like, this is a Rebby Hardy that is at home in Carolina, not in Jacksonville. Yeah, with three young kids as well, so. Yeah, like, before the pay-per-view, she posted on Twitter, like, a photo of, like, her three kids, like, sitting in their awesome theatre room that they have there, like, getting ready to watch their dad wrestle. Like, imagine, like, what's going through their head. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about something positive for a change? Yes. Let's talk about my match of the night. AEW World Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida, the AEW champion, versus Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion. Take it away, Alex. Uh, yeah, the, the best women's wrestler in the world, in my opinion, and the AEW Women's Champion. Yeah, 100% that, that, agree with that. That might be a controversial take for me to consider Thunder Rosa to be the best res- women's wrestler in the world. I've watched a lot of her stuff from pre-pandemic, especially in the NWA, and I think she's the best women's wrestler in the world. And her Kara Shida, just only a couple of steps behind her, I reckon. Yeah, I'd have to agree. This was easily match of the night. This was... I would have put this co-main event because... I feel oh. like nothing could follow this. I either would have put this as co-main event or the very first match on the show. Yeah. The just... problem is 
the crowd is so dead still, even for a banger of a match like this. Like, I remember being at Super Showdown and we got the same criticisms because we're an outdoor stadium at the MCG. The sound dissipates easier. It could be the same effect there where the crowd is up in the um, stands. It's only 10%, so it'll dissipate quicker in an outdoor setting than an indoor arena. Maybe, but I also read reports from fans that were there in attendance and they said on Twitter, like, the humidity was killing them, and, yeah, they were quiet. <laughs> Those fans should live in Florida. They should be used to it. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> it ends up going where Sheeta's trying to get her submission in, but Thunder Rosa counts every time. Sheeta gets the pinfall, and Thunder Rosa kicks out at 3.1, meaning Sheeta has retained. Yeah. Oh, it's just a hell of a match. Um, easily the best AEW women's match. Second to only Thunder Serena. <laughs> I would say this one was just better than Thunder and Serena. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the, the second best. The Dynamite yeah. match this week. You've had two, two of your best women's matches, and they're both involving a woman who, given this result, probably hasn't signed or can't sign and is out of the company after this match because she said, I'm here for this title, nothing else. Yeah. At least they gave us this match. There's nothing they can do about Thunder Rosa's contract situation, but at least they gave us this awesome match out of it. And maybe one day Thunder Rosa's contract situation clears up and you've just got a natural rematch just due to this just being such an awesome match. Yeah, who knows? Um yeah. So from there, match number eight of the night, the natural nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall with Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky, along with Ali and Brandy Rhodes in that four-man team's corner, defeats the team of the Dark Order, that's Mr. Brody Lee, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson and Colt Cabana with Anna Jay in their corner. Um, Let's talk about JR. Okay, you go ahead. JR uh, said something about like, oh... Did Anna Jay just have a wardrobe malfunction? Oh, well, I can only hope she does, or something like that, right? Now, the first part of that I could possibly defend. The second part I cannot at all. The first part, I assume JR saw something off camera that we didn't see, because if you continue watching the match from that point, Anna runs past the Dark Order's corner out past the timekeeper's area and to the backstage. Oh, yeah, okay. So I'm assuming he's seen something there and then tried to cover his tracks by not drawing attention to it because it's not part of the story by saying that line he would have said back in the Attitude Era, which yeah, today yeah. you don't need to say that. Yeah, so, um, so you either retire JR or you continue commentating long enough that you become Jerry Lawler. And unfortunately, JR didn't retire, so he's become Jerry Lawler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was just disgusting. And then, did you see his tweet on Twitter? No. Go ahead. Oh, man. It was because someone uh, posted on Facebook the screenshot because I am blocked by JR. <laughs> you replied to him with too many cowboy hats. <laughs> Well, what I'm about to tell you is going to make you barf even more than that. He pretty much said apologies to anyone I offended with my wardrobe malfunction line on commentary. 
I was just trying to make a joke. Sorry to offend anyone. That's fine. Then you click the read more option and he says, now lighten up, will ya? And then the tongue emoji. Not the smiley face with the tongue out emoji. The emoji that is just a giant tongue. It's just like, oh man, horny JR is the worst. Yeah. Um, back to the match. Back to the match itself. I thought this was the wrong decision, having the nightmares Cardona and Sky win over the Dark Order when you're trying to get the Dark Order having this beat down the previous week. I disagree, but that's fine. However, leading into the post match and what comes out of it was amazing. If you want to run that down, because I saw a tweet you did on our, our Twitter for that. Oh, really? Hang on, I'm going to have to open up our Twitter. Yeah, for the uh, the Dustin oh. backstage segment. Oh, yeah. So, like, there's. I thought you were talking about the Cole Cabana thing. Oh, yeah, you can talk about that first, sorry. Yeah, so, like, pretty much Brody Lee, like, sets up Scorpio Sky in the ring to be pinned by Cole Cabana. He... Tags in Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana's like, he's so happy that he gets to get this win for the Dark Order. He has this great big smile on his face. Hits the moonsault, but he misses. Scorpio Sky gets out of the way. So then Brody Lee just like tears Colt Cabana to shreds in the ring afterwards. And they all sort of leave Colt Cabana by himself, except for Evil Uno, who's a nice guy, apparently, and sort of consoled Colt afterwards. But then after this, we get this amazing Dustin Rhodes babyface promo. Giovanni like informs him, Dustin, like congratulations on the win. Just been informed that you're going to get a TNT title match this uh, this Wednesday at Dynamite or whatever. And Dustin like just portrayed like shocked and like excited and like fired up all in this one promo. Like, I was pretty much ready to go out and start, like, jumping over houses after this promo. It just hyped me up so much. I thought yeah. it was amazing. Like, like, give the, why is this guy not getting more mic time? Like, come on. This is amazing. Yeah, that's pretty much what you said on Twitter. Fantastic promo. More wrestlers could learn a lot from Dustin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like... There's not many good babyface promos out there anymore. And this was like the quintessential babyface promo. Um, so from there, match number nine, AEW World Tag Team Championship. Adam Page and Kenny Omega, the champions, versus FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood with Tully Blanchard in their corner. And FTR become the new AEW Tag Team Champions. Yeah, uh, in a match that somehow felt longer than NXT's main event this week. Yeah. I noticed something funny here. Like, Hangman demands to start the match, so Kenny tags him in, and Kenny's standing on the outside, and I can't remember who the ref was, but he keeps walking over to Kenny's corner and telling him to grab the tag rope. Oh, yeah, because that's part of um, FTR's contract. Yeah, you're supposed to have a tag rope in their matches. I didn't notice that, but that's actually a good touch. Yeah, I enjoyed the the match overall until like the the last third. It sort of started drag. Yeah, and then, this is when I really noticed that the crowd was just not there. And like, then, it even seemed like the people around the ring were quieter than normal. And then the post match. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? 
I'm intrigued by it. I actually enjoyed it. My only problem is, like, who's the heel, who's the baby face? Like, from this segment alone, you would think Kenny's going to be the heel, but, like, what was it, just a couple of weeks ago, we had Hangman cost the Young Bucks the number one contendership, and then we had, like, a match earlier in the night with the Young Bucks, and the Young Bucks are being more heelish than ever. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, and then in this in this post-match where Kenny walks backstage, grabs his bag, demands to get in the car and says, come on, Bucks, we're going, and the Bucks stay there, they're looking torn. I'm like, weren't you guys heels earlier in the night and pissed off at Hangman, and now your face is pissed off at Kenny? What the hell? You yeah. know who would be proud of this storyline? Who, bro? Big Show. <laughs> There's oh, so man. many turns. Oh, man, yep. Yeah, um... I, I think they're just trying to sort of camouflage exactly where this story's going. Like, they're trying to sort of, like, make you, keep you guessing about who's going to be the heel, who's going to be the baby face coming out of this. I think that's their intent. Yeah. But I think they just really just need to fast-track this thing a bit now. This, being, this thing with Hangman's been going on for, like, a year. Match number 10 of the night, your co-main event is the Mimosa Mayhem match. There's two giant pools at ring height either side of the ring with the uh, ring stage in the centre of the ring on the other side. What did you think of this match before I read out the result? It is Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. It was fine. How was it for a co-main event of a $30 pay-per-view? I think, like, it's the right idea to have, like, probably the biggest name on your roster is the co-main event but yeah maybe not uh i see this is where i'm thinking more old school you put the importance on your championships in those main event positions unlike wwe that just books the crowd to go up down up down up down you should be building your crowd up throughout the night like a new japan Uh, dude the crowd would not be able to recover for the world title match if the tag titles were on before the main event. Or the women's? Yeah, maybe that might have been a struggle too, like even, but maybe less of a struggle. Yeah, I I get your point there. Um, So so this match was pretty much just each man struggling to stay out of the mimosa. In the end, Jericho's on the ropes. Orange delivers a Superman punch, knocking Jericho in for the win. It was fine. It delivered what it needed to deliver. It was hardly the most offensive thing on a on this pay-per-view. Yeah. But if you cherry-pick this match and place it into any of the other AEW pay-per-views, it might have been the worst match of the night there. So after nine and a half hours of AEW this week, we get to the main event of the pay-per-view, match number 11 on this card, <laughs> AEW World Championship. John Moxley, the champion, versus MJF with Wardlow in his corner, and the paradigm shift is banned in this match. What did you think of this match, Alex? I loved it. Oh boy. I thought it was a very traditional, old-school, like, world title main event. Like, very psychological. It slowly picks up to a pace. I actually really enjoyed it. I can tell by your tone you're going to have a differing opinion. This match, I thought, was fine. I thought it struggled to sort of get out of second gear, and the ending, I absolutely hated. 
See, I thought the ending made sense. I get the whole build has been for him to not use the paradigm shift, but MJF tried to cheat and it backfired on him, so Moxley cheated back. And now you can potentially like go back to this match one day down the road because MJF technically got screwed here. And then you can continue with the whole MJF is like his whole campaign thing, all that sort of stuff. Okay, well... My thing is there's supposed to be like a, um, I guess like a championship committee that's unseen that's in charge of these rankings and such uh, for the AEW titles. Would you say that's true? Uh, I guess so, yeah. I think it's just more based on the actual records of the wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. So wouldn't the people who are watching these matches for the records then see Moxley use the paradigm shift that's supposed to be banned and him get a disqualification losing the title, <laughs> wouldn't they also see that? But if the president of the AFL sees something that an umpire in a game doesn't see, can they just come out and just reverse the umpire's decision? Yeah, they did that in 2004. Oh, my the... God, I shouldn't have gotten into footy because I know nothing. <laughs> the Siren Gate match in Launceston, Tasmania, St Kilda versus Fremantle, kick after the Siren when the coaches got on the field and it was overturned a week later. Okay, well, that was a poor example <laughs> I chose. Obviously, I I dipped my feet into water I'm unfamiliar with. But, um, but you get what I'm saying? Like, it's the referee's job, and they've always said in wrestling the referee's decision is final. Have we seen a referee reverse their decision yet in AEW? Not that I know of. Not of anything of any significance that comes to my head right now. Thing that WWE does it all the time because their continuity is all over the shop. But oh, Yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. But the only one that comes to mind, that keeps coming to my mind, is the stadium stampede, Jericho, Aubrey in the referee review tent. Oh, yeah. But that's more a comedy Probably thing. Spot, yeah. So yeah. that's my only question coming out of this is... The way I would have got in and out of this match is MJF gets so angry that he can't put away Moxley. He does the paradigm shift, and then he realises, I've just cost myself the title. That move's banned. I've lost. Oh, man, people would be so pissed if you got a DQ for one of the four pay-per-views a year you get out of AEW. <laughs> oh, what, more pissed than Moxley doing a move he said he didn't need? to win, then does it behind the referee's back and wins. Yeah, he probably could have done without the whole I don't need it promo. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, at least. Because <laughs> it makes him look like an idiot. Oh, I don't need that. Oh, wait, now I can. The biggest issue I had with the whole paradigm shift thing is not that he actually did it to win, the fact that he kept going for it in the match. Like, in front of the ref. Yeah, it's like Kojima with the Cozy Lariat in the King of yeah. Pro Wrestling tournament all over again. Yeah, and I called Kojima a massive idiot for that. So, yes, Mox was an idiot for most of this match. Paradigm I... shift stuff aside, I actually enjoyed the pace and the story they were trying to tell here. Besides the paradigm shift stuff, you sort of made me question my enjoyment a little bit. But um, I still enjoyed this match. MJF with a classic all-timer, old-school blade job there as well. What about his ring gear? 
I loved it. <laughs> America. America. Heck yes. Come oh. to save the world. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> exactly. Thumbs yeah, up, so... thumbs down. What did you think of this pay-per-view? Oh, man. This pay-per-view sucked. Thumbs down. I think if you're going back to watch anything, the women's match, the tag title match, and the Mimosa Mayhem, just for the curiosity of it. Man, yeah, my my two... Like, I don't even like that tag title match, so we're on different wavelengths on that one. Oh, man, like, it's the women's title match, it's the Bucks match, to a lesser degree, the main event. But that's, like, three matches out of however many matches there were, and that tag title match... And the Hardy thing just, like, took all the energy out of me. Yeah, like, thumb, thumbs down. Yeah, massive thumbs down. And, like, man, the go-home show sucked. The pay-per-view sucked. And it's the most content AEW's popped out in a week for ages. And just everything sucked. <laughs> I hate to be that one guy that sits on the internet and talks about how much they hate everything, but... Man, I hated everything this week AEW did. Except Thunder Rosa. I will give P- Billy Corgan the credit for that one. Do you see Mox like either an authority person or Mox bringing up that he won with the Dirty Deeds? I can see, oh, not Dirty Deeds, Paradigm Shift. I can see MJF bringing it up, but I'm not sure if anyone else will. Well, because he didn't win with the Paradigm Shift, he won with the Death Rider. <laughs> That's what he could just say. Oh, I, uh, I just hit my Japanese version instead. <laughs> yeah, I hook you instead with the, the left. It's with the right. <laughs> yeah, instead of left arm hooked first, then right. It's right then left. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing on Sunday was a New Japan Roadshow. Did you watch any of this? Uh, so this was the same day as All Out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if this, yeah, All Out sucked all the life out of me. So all life out of me. Fair enough. Notable matches again. Two more IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship Tournament matches. Suzuki Gun, Desperado and Kanemaru defeated Bullet Club, Jado and Ishimori. Then Los Ingobernables de Japon, Bushi and Hiromu defeated Taguchi and Master Wado. So at the moment... Ally J, Bushin, Hiromu on four. Taguchi and Wada are on two. Suzuki Guns on two. And Book Club's on no points uh, with one match each remaining. Yeah, that looks horrible. I'll say that again. <laughs> yeah, looks crap. The only team that I think is worth putting the titles on, like, hate me for this, but Taguchi and Wado. And the only reason I say that is if you keep Wado tied up with the junior tag titles, then he's not going to be in anything of any significance and offend me on screen anymore. So nothing of note on Monday the 7th, except Vince McMahon demands all WWE employees to end third-party agreements. Yeah, cancel your Twitch, AJ. Get rid of your TikTok. Up, up, down, down, safe. Because it's, like, part-owned by WWE. Really? Yeah, man. They've got, like, a whole merchandising contract with Up, Up, Down, Down. Oh. Like, you know their Up, Up, Down, Down title? Have you ever seen that? Yes. It looks 
different. <laughs> yeah, it looks horrible. Yes. But um, but like, yeah, you can buy replicas of it on WWE Shop. You know what? I'd rather spend my money buying a replica of. Oh God, China's custom IC title. I know you would. I know you would. I'm talking to the same man that put China in three title contentions in one night. Three different title divisions in one night. Yeah. Yeah, he got to strap it to the moon. Yeah, that's what some of us have to do. <laughs> oh. You know who's really good on Twitch? Dakota. Um, a, a follower. On, I've got a Twitch just to follow all the wrestlers, but I never go on Twitch. Asuka. Asuka's gone now, I guess. Doesn't Peyton or Billy do something on YouTube? Are uh, they both do now. I guess I that's gone. Stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it won't go anywhere. I think they'll be fine. I think everyone will be fine. I think something will work out. You know what they could do from all this? Unionize. <laughs> well, obviously, but I was thinking more, <laughs> more along the lines. Vince McMahon can then announce in 30 days' time the oh, return of, of Tout. Tout. <laughs> yeah. Tout, new video game streaming interactive social media platform for all your WWE superstars. <laughs> and, and if you used to like TikTok, here's our new... Uh, off branch of it, tap talk. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So I'm pretty sure you didn't watch this, but did you happen to catch out Ring of Honor on Tuesday? No, I did not watch Ring of Honor on Tuesday. So no new episodes yet with a return date to be confirmed as they're taping new episodes. This week featured the best of the bouncers. We're only like a couple of weeks away from the best of Grizzly Redwood. <laughs> You keep saying that. I want it like the the best of the one time Ric Flair showed up at Ring of Honor. <laughs> what? Yeah, and then he was oh, meant to come. Wasn't he come signed back. there? And then he no showed the rest of his appearances. Yeah, the best of the shows Ric Flair was meant to turn up for, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did you have time for Raw? I did see a fair chunk of it, yes. Oh, boy. Uh, the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin defeated Apollo Crews, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander when Cedric turned on Apollo and Ricochet to join the Hurt Business. A very WCW Fruity's Ultimate Game Show's fashion, yes. Something that I'll probably do at some point. Not sub- subconsciously forgetting about this angle, but yeah. <laughs> the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford defeated Angel Garza and Andrade with Selena Vega in their corner after dissension between Garza and Andrade. Let's Match- quickly get, get past this next one before we de- deep dive into it for a, another half an hour later on. <laughs> Match number three on no notice, Peyton oh. Royce in singles action against Billy Kay. Oh man, yeah, yeah. This is um, yeah, this is definitely the same sort of build they gave for the split up of the Mega Powers, right? <laughs> yeah, right on par with that. Oscar and Mickey James teamed together to defeat Team Hashtag Boat, <laughs> Lana and Natalia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Hurt Business pulling double duty, Bobby Lashley, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric 
defeat Apollo Crews, Ricochet, and the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. <sighs> Randy Orton defeated Keith Lee via DQ because Keith Lee's good friend couldn't resist getting involved again. Yeah, uh, without going too deep into it, because I know we're not up to that part yet where we deep dive into things. They're definitely setting Keith Lee up to heel turn on Drew at some point. Probably. To your favourite part of the night, 10pm Eastern, Raw Underground. I genuinely enjoyed Underground the first, like, two to three weeks of it. Now it means nothing to me. So Alistair Black defeats someone. Then him and Kevin Owens begin fighting, which sort of ends in them on the outside. We then cut back to the ring for a two-on-one match. The Wright-Tit-Tit squad, Ruby Wright-Tit-Tit and Liv Morgan, defeating Shayna Baszler, who had Nia Jax in her corner. Cut back to the underground. Alistair Black and Kevin Owens are still fighting. Back to Raw. Two-on-one match. The Wright-Tit-Tit squad, Ruby Wright-Tit-Tit and Liv Morgan, versus Nia Jax with Shayna Baszler. And it's in a no contest because... Retribution has arrived with a custom Titan Tron. Yeah. The the rebels. The um the anti establishment movement has, you know, been on Photoshop all afternoon coming up with this nice high resolution Titan Tron for themselves. Dumb. Uh, yeah. then back to the underground, Alistair Blacks and Kevin Owens, they <laughs> are still fighting. They fall out in the crowd and start punching the crowd, and it ends no contest, I guess. Man, so bad. Uh, Dominic Mysterio with the Mysterio family, Ray, Angie, and Aaliyah, defeats Murphy by a referee stoppage. No, he quit. Oh. Murphy quit. He was like, yeah, I quit. I submit. I submit. Yeah. I thought one of the announcers said the referee stopped it. Nah, like, Murphy, like, when he was all tied up, was like, I quit, I quit. Fair enough. Yeah, because if there's one thing you don't want to do on Raw, that is be Australian. You don't want to do that. Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you come out looking pretty bad. So when did Murphy leave Seth's side? Because he's still got the disciple gear. Well, Seth sacked him last week. I completely missed that. Quickly. Yeah. The very opening segment, the Randy Orton promo, right? Yeah. They've done this before with WWE. They did it with Ryback once and I genuinely popped because I thought someone was coming out. They did it again tonight and I genuinely popped because I thought someone was about to come out. Randy Orton gets interrupted by the sounds of sirens and Drew McIntyre comes out in an ambulance. I genuinely thought Scott Steiner was about to come out. It was the exact same siren sound from Scott Steiner's music. Oh, man, I was like, what is happening? But oh, yes, yeah. This... Oh. <laughs> but Drew comes out, and Drew looked like a badass on Raw today with the plain back black tank top. He just looked tough. He looked huge as well. I don't know. I thought he... This is one of Drew's better weeks in terms of like looking like a badass baby face. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree there. It's still the stupid WWE standard of, hey, this guy was injured a couple of weeks ago and taken to a hospital. Let's have him turn back up driving the ambulance. Like, how are they getting these ambulances? Like, I want to see, like, the kayfabe day of Drew McIntyre where he's like, yeah, so I went in to get my jaw checked 
and you know from that injury from two weeks ago yeah they said it's fine like i'm healing well so i was just like yeah do you mind if i go to work now can i just borrow this vehicle right here yes please thank you stupid um the brand for brand invitational is back what the hell yeah it's like they said like when they did it with charlotte earlier this year it was meant to be a quarterly thing i guess it's a new quarter now i guess so yeah i I completely forgot all about it i don't understand the need for it but yeah whatever Uh, hopefully this leads to like a title unification because WWE does not have depth in their tag division, so it's better that they just combine them all. They've got depths in almost no divisions. They're better off having one overall tag women's world titles and then sprinkling out like your IC and US on each brand. So then you've got your one champion who can go back to each show. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. they do for the women's titles. Yeah. Jeez. Is Adam Pierce supposed to be a GM now? Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't get it. Yeah. Like, why Adam Pierce? Like, they got Jeff Jarrett. Why are they not using him instead? <laughs> I don't know. Like, he's backstage doing the exact same thing Adam Pierce is doing. Like, come on, use Double J instead. Alistair Black in the Underground. Where's his eye patch? I guess he's better now, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that confused me too. Oh, so it was like Moxley against Suzuki where he was just faking it. Man, I recently watched back um, like clips of Moxley versus Archer from Wrestle Kingdom and it still blows my mind that Moxley like wrestled that match with an eye patch. I suppose then Peyton versus Billy on no build. What the hell? Oh Oh. my God, this is so dumb. Also this music, what the hell? Where's their individual music from NXT? Yeah, yeah. Very ge- generic music. Um, well, they used Billy Kay's theme song as their iconic theme song on the main roster, so they probably couldn't use that again. Yeah, but she had something before that that was pretty good as well. No, that was Peyton's. Yeah, Peyton's and Billy had a separate one before that as well. Yeah, well, Billy's single one before they went to the main roster was the one they used on the main roster. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I guess someone needed new music because of that. I I just wish Peyton got her old NXT theme because that's actually a banger. I can't remember what it was called or... But I just remember really enjoying it. But for some reason, Peyton Royce gets generic rock music. So, okay, cool. It doesn't fit either of their characters either. No, it's just like, yeah, they just hit the randomizer on that one. Apparently, Billy Kay is a femme fatale now. Okay, that's what that's... she was before. Yeah. <laughs> but when yeah. was the last time that was mentioned on main roster? Like, all she's been on the main roster is, like, the screechy, annoying one of the Iconics. So, like, what does her being a femme fatale have to do with what we've seen from her on the main roster? Yeah. Michael Cole, for some reason, is on commentary tonight. Yeah, they said, um, uh, who was it, Tom Phillips or whatever, had, like, a family emergency or something like that. Yeah, so he mentions there was very little emotion in this breakup, and I'm like, Oh, I guess that WWE.com clip doesn't count then. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. By the way, how awesome was it in that clip when Seth Rollins' pyro goes off in the background and Billy Kay just, like, 
with the best comedic timing, just like jumps up and like pretends to just uh, just completely terrified. Like it was awesome. Yeah, and Billy goes, "I try and have a moment here." Yeah, that was just awesome. Yeah, uh, her comedic timing's so great. Yeah, it looks like yeah, Peyton's going to be the one getting the big old shovsky coming out of this. But I hope they can find a. A role for Billy Kay somewhere. Like her comedic timing is fantastic. So like I don't expect Billy Kay to be like a top like women's champion or anything like that. But like her being in an entertainment type role in WWE would be great. Like you now they could do her like managing someone or like being in a couple with someone or something like that, you know, do something yeah. fun with her. And at least they did the amicable sign of respect after the match. I thought one of them was going to turn on the other when they started to like hug and shake hands after the match. Yeah. I, I still don't think it's over. I don't think they're going to be able to resist having one beat the crap out of the other. Ah, oh, geez. Yeah. So that's all we watched this week. Things of note, um, New Japan's back on the 9th and the 11th, and the G1 starts on the 19th. As of the recording of this, there's no dates and no participants announced yet. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so there's there's two more televised New Japan road shows. I'm guessing we'll get participants on the 9th and then blocks on the 11th. Yeah, they're desperately trying to get that switchblade into Japan. What do you mean? They're trying to get Bad Luck Fale. That's fine too. What about... Oh, Toa Hanari? Yeah, Hanari. Yeah. Yeah, actually, he's about... Like, if the world didn't end, he would have been getting a bit of a shove, I reckon. Yeah. He would have been in, like, never title sort of picture, I would think. I think he might have been scheduled for the original lineup at the, um, the New Japan Cup before everything happened as well. Yeah. Like, he's got a lot of upside. I think um, they've been actually wasting him, in my opinion. And then the final note, NXT is back for Super Tuesday 2. What's going on there? I think it's only a matter of time before NXT just is a Super Tuesday every week. You think they're going to give up the war? I think the television network's going to be like... We're getting better ratings every week, every time you guys are on Tuesday. Why are we not keeping you on Tuesdays? Why are we putting you up against direct competition every week that's taking away some of your audience? This is not smart business for us. What would happen then if TNT picked up Dark on Tuesday for an hour? That would be great. Oh, what's... That would be, like, sticking them with their own medicine, but... suppose it wouldn't be TNT. It'd be, like, whatever their sister station is, TBS? Yeah, something like that. I'm not even going to pretend to know what's going on with, like, American TV stations and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's the only one I can remember because that's what Thunder was on for a time. TBS (laughs) Superstation. (laughs) Imagine... Imagine if... If Dark on YouTube start to add to do NXT on USA. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll have to all start watching Dark Live. Yeah, well, 
I reckon by the end of the year, we'll find out what the extra hour of TNT programming will be for AEW because they are contractually allowed to get that sometime soon, I think. So, yeah, and Tony Khan's often talked about how it won't be putting Dark on TV. It'll be a completely different show, but they will still keep Dark running on YouTube. Well, that's smart, keeping your free exposure out there as well. And, yeah, it won't be a case of taking Dark and putting it on TV. It'll be a case of adding a new TV show. Velocity. Well, he compared it to not necessarily wanting to have a SmackDown, but wanting to have, like, a Sunday Night Heat. But, like, Sunday Night Heat from, like, 98, when they still had, like, The Rock and Stone Cold show up on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would be big. Yeah, so, like, just a shortened version of Dynamite, basically, which I'm all for one-hour wrestling shows, especially after this week. Yeah, too much? Man, like, All Out was long enough by itself without the buy-in. Like, that thing was monstrous. especially the red carpet special? I don't care about the red carpet special. Stop... Trying to make it a thing, Hoggy. Jeez. What about the <laughs> countdown and the Friday edition of Dark? <laughs> Out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, you'll never see it coming. Second episode <laughs> of Dark. That was the real you didn't see it coming of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Uh, so with that being said, I suppose we can wrap up for the week. Yeah, I'll just quickly say my show of the week. I probably won't be saying this too often. Show of the week this week was WWE Smackdown. With free matches. Oh, I just thought everything around those matches, like all the interviews, all that sort of stuff, I loved it. All the Roman stuff, all the Jey Uso stuff was great. Oh, yeah. Jeez, you're putting me on the spot with all these sort of things. Oh, man, I always got to keep you guessing. Um, That's why I'm the sizzle, you're the steak. You know what? Just for the hell of it, I'm going to (laughs) say... Give it my, to ROH, come on. Yeah, i got to give it to my boys, the bouncers, for the best of ROH this week. Yep, that's fine. You yeah. know at work I carry around empty kegs like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. The Beer City Brews are getting some praise on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's it wasn't a good... It wasn't a good week for some of the major promotions in North America in terms of quality content-wise. No, not at all. It will be interesting to see. Well, I suppose Dynamite I... this week's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Same yeah, like, AEW's been... One thing I've noticed is they've been very reactionary to crowd response, like, to online response, right? Yep. So... They they copped a lot of heat on Twitter, so I think they'll be very... For the Matt thing? Yeah, there's that. Like, just the whole show in general, to be honest. And I can just see them hitting a hard reset button on a lot of feuds. Plus, a lot of feuds did wrap up at the pay-per-view, so they're going to be pumping out some brand new storylines coming out of this pay-per-view. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens on Dynamite. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so from there, I guess we'll close the kebab shop this week and speak to you all next week. Yeah, uh, give me a follow at Fruity as Alex. I always forget to plug my stuff, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, follow the show at 
Wrestle Allstyle or just search Wrestling Allstyle. I am at I am Chris Funder. And remember, I don't know what to say here. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) That'll do, pig. That'll do. (laughs) That'll do, pig. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Congratulations, Beer City Bruiser. You deserved it. 